Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. The biggest breaking news stories and outspoken opinion. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. Good morning to you. Thank you very much indeed for your company. Great pleasure to have you uh, join us this morning. I say this every day, don't I now? Lots to talk about. Oh, there is an awful lot to talk about. Um, I mean, the signs of uh, some sanity on vaccine passports don't get your hopes up too fast. Uh, um, lots of, I think, frankly, insanity and nonsense about the government's race report led by uh, uh, Tony Sewell. Uh, and uh, also, I mean, just really interesting things happening in terms of uh, France going into lockdown. Uh, and, uh, of course, we've got that uh, claims about school sexual abuse and Ofsted investigating safeguarding of children at school. So lots to discuss and uh, here to discuss all of those stories with me is Benjamin Butterworth, late editor at the iNewspaper. newspaper. Good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Thank you very much indeed for joining us. Um, let's start, if we will, um, just if we can. Um, I, the race review is all over the papers, but I do want to start just just first up with uh, the splash in the Telegraph today. Starmer, vaccine passports un-British. Um, mm. I mean, this is very unusual for the Labour leader to actually um, criticise a government policy, although he doesn't come completely off the fence. He wants to see the detail. He always wants, fair enough, though, but he always says he wants to see the detail before he decides um, how the government, how how, uh, how uh, Parliament would vote, well, to be fair, whether or not we'd actually need a vote on bringing in vaccine passports since the government could just do everything by decree these, time, these days. But um, he did say that using COVID status certificates in the UK was a complex issue. He said, my instinct is that as the vaccine is rolled out, as the number of hospital admissions and deaths go down, there will be a British sense that we don't actually want to go down this road. Now, Liberal Democrats, we spoke to Alistair Carmichael of the, that party yesterday. They are opposed now. They've got very few MPs, but we know we've got probably the best part of 70 Tory MPs from the COVID recovery group who'd be opposed to this. Um, and and that, you know, that wipes out the Tory majority without Labour votes or Labour abstention. It could be pretty hard for Tories to push anything through that did require legislation here. So, um, this may be the start of a, a fight back against vaccine passports, but um, first sign that Sir Keir Starmer is uh, perhaps touching uh, his feet into the water to feel where the British public are. What do you think? Uh, do you think we'll end up with them or not? Uh, I suspect that, as you just said, once Keir Starmer's come out against it among the, the Tories and the, the Lib Dems that have already stated their opposition, the chances of this happening are much slimmer. Now, what we know is that the government is looking at creating the you know the technical uh, ability to have such a thing as a vaccine passport. They're looking into it. Now, that's not the same as introducing it, but it clearly shows that they've been taking it seriously. If they're already spending money and government time on it. I, I've always been of the opinion that if it does come in, it should 
should be up to you know individual bars or pubs or whatever whether they apply it and i think if that was the case you would see many of them choose not to because when the country fully unlocks a great deal of people who are likely to go to pubs and particularly places like nightclubs won't have had uh, one vaccine let alone two by the 21st of june uh, because those people will be under 40 and they're people that fill most of the pub most of the time in some parts of the country. And so I think I think it was always quite unlikely. And I think what Keir Starmer here is probably reading the room quite well. I think there's a lot of hesitation from people. I think the idea that it's un-British is is interesting. I, you know, interesting it would be choice to, of words, yes. Well, it, it, against would be, the, it, well, it says against the British instinct. But that, that's and, tantamount to saying un-British. Yeah, and I think that's that's probably not a wild, wildly off the mark because it's fair to say, as you've said on this program before, it's not the kind of tradition that that we have in this country in a way that some others do. And so I, I think he's trying to come off the fence, but I also dare say he's read the room and read what lots of people have already said. You know, he does this uh, a couple of days after Sir Ed Davey, the Lib Dem leader, came out explicitly against mm-hmm. the idea yeah. of vaccine passports. I was, yeah, I was very impressed the Liberal Democrats are acting as if they were at least liberal, um, which I thought was a very, very good uh, and encouraging sign for our democracy, at least. Um, let's talk about uh, what's on the front page of an awful lot of papers other than the mirror, which has gone with litter. Very, <laughs> very cross about litter. I mean, on a daily basis, cross about litter. Not entirely sure it's the biggest issue facing the country right now. Got to go out on a limb there. Uh, but let's talk about this race <laughs> report, uh, because it would appear that, certainly from the Tony Saw report uh, that we've got uh, in, into uh, the in the situation with, uh, well, it's looked into whether or not we've got systemic race and what the problems are in this country, that um, the report basically uh, has decided that, you know, systemic racism is not the problem facing this country. And the Race Commission uh, says that, you know, institutional racism, a term that's bandied about willy-nilly, but the UK is not and will no longer rigged against ethnic minorities. We spoke to a member of the commission on the show yesterday, and we're talking about, crucially, you know, this is about looking at data as opposed to people's feelings. Um, and we had, I mean, almost instantly, I, mean, I was watching Sky News and the BBC yesterday for my sins, and um, just wall-to-wall condemnation from anyone or everyone Largely people filmed before they could possibly have read the report. It's quite a lengthy report. Um, And uh, before they could have seen anything more than the the conclusions that were sort of briefed out in advance in the papers yesterday. Um, GMB, um, the union, accused the government of gaslighting ethnic minorities, called the report irresponsible and immoral. David Lammy went off, the Shadow Justice Secretary, who's had his own race report in previous years. He he went offline, he said, because he was so traumatised by by, by this report. Um, do you think that the report was, you know, immoral, irresponsible? Do you think it failed to do the job it should have done? I mean, look, like most people, uh, well, I have read some of it, but not all of the 264 pages. And I think the government wanted it to to pan out this way, which is why it only told a few journalists a few bits of it in advance in order to present this argument that I, I think it wanted. Uh, do you know... The thing is that if so many people who have been so involved in these questions for so many years, take David Lammy as the example you mentioned, who did a report on this for uh, a Tory government for Theresa May and found very different conclusions, as did other investigations from Tory governments in recent years on this matter. I think that raises a question of why suddenly this one found something very different, because I don't believe that we have become a significantly Uh, less racist or some of the problems that black kids, for example, face have not changed significantly in the past three or four years. But the makeup of this commission was different, wasn't it? I mean, when Tony Sewell was appointed as chair of the commission, um, it was lots of anger about that because he didn't have the correct views 
of even for a black man, he he was. I mean, it's a horrible phrase, but I've, I have heard this used: the wrong kind of black person, because he had the wrong views. He didn't believe that there was systemic racism. So the argument was: because you don't believe in systemic racism, you will therefore conclude that it won't. But you'd have the same problem well, that's with what any. Happened. Yes, but but all the other reviews were conducted by people who did believe there was systemic racism, and therefore they found it. I mean, you could make the argument to anyone. I mean, if you could find someone, an alien from another planet, someone who'd never heard of England, who had no concept of race, who, who appeared suddenly in, in, in amongst us and then conducted a report, you may well be able to get some sort of objective. But, but by definition, anyone who's involved in this in this this this, this area of, of discussion is going to have enough knowledge about it to be worthy of being on a commission and certainly to chair it. And no doubt at all, Tony Sewell has put his money and his time where his mouth is in terms of actually rather than just writing tweets about being angry about racism, has actually tackled educational disparities uh, for uh, for ethnic minority kids. I mean, actually, you know, done the done the actual hard slog work to actually help improve those lives. Um, but 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 by definition, you're going to have an opinion on what you think the problems are, aren't you? I mean, I, I think it's valid to raise the question mark about how independent this survey, this investigation was, because if you have a collection of people who all have the exact same view in advance, which they've stated, which is that institutional racism doesn't exist. I don't think all and then, of the commission had stated that. And, and, and then, well, certainly the, the leading ones, including so, the person you had on yesterday, who I, who I listened to the interview. If, if they have that view beforehand, they do an investigation and lo and behold, it finds precisely what they already thought. I think that is a valid question of how accurate it is. And clearly a lot of people who've been involved in the area for a long time, including the previous chair of the Race Commission, who said that he, uh, they were seriously concerned about this report and how accurate it was. Uh, the fact that that person also uh, wasn't happy with it, I think, suggests that there are serious questions. But look, I, I really don't like the idea of getting sort of tied up in the political argument of something that is so serious that is meant to be looking at the data. And actually, you know, when it raises questions about geography and about social class and about how they affect people's life chances, I think we would do better to look into the complexities of those things, which mm -hmm. are really than simply to get torn up in the in the politics of it, well, but, and I think. But that, but but isn't that but isn't that the problem? It immediately went into the politics of it. You have to say that you the 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 black and Asian people in this country have a bad deal. That the country, you know, our history, our the empire, uh, the, the the institutions, the police, the government, the schools, everybody is systemically racist. There are racists in our midst, and it's a terrible, terrible place. There's been no improvement in life at all. I mean, this is all patently untrue when you actually look at as the commission did the data, even down to things like. Like, you know, the ethnicity pay gap, this terrible, terrible time. Look, undoubtedly, there are people who don't hire people because of the colour of their skin. Those people are racist. They've got no place being, you know, having those views, no place imposing those views on other people. And we need to root those people out and, uh, and you know, and hopefully educate them. And, and it's against the law, so they should be punished for doing so. But the ethnicity pay gap in this country is down to 2.3% uh, in mm. 2019, which is the last year we've got figures for. I mean, that does not indicate a country where, where you know, if you're ethnic minority in this country, you are struggling to get treated fairly to get into institutions. We know in terms of educational opportunities, it is white working class British boys who are at the bottom of the pile again and again. We know that in terms of university access, we know that in terms of access to, you know, any younger age groups, um, the, the number of people who are from different ethnic groups who are, you know, moving into the top careers is, is moving on a pace. It's not going to change overnight, but of course it isn't going to change overnight. These things take generations to feed through you don't just suddenly appoint you know 10% black judges they, there aren't 10% you know available uh, to appoint from with the qualifications because of the the you know the 
long-standing issues in the country. But it just seems to me that, that a picture that says, I mean, this is this is much more nuanced. There are, it doesn't pretend everything's fine. It doesn't pretend there isn't racism. It doesn't say there aren't issues to be dealt with. But 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 so many of the issues that are facing people who are having difficulties in this country are about um, family breakdown, living in a living in a poor in urban area, not having good qualifications from school, going to a rubbish school yourself, um, uh, you're sending your kids to a rubbish school. Um, they're they're about you know language difficulties. Things. None of this has got anything to do with race. And yet it, it is so often the case that the people who uh, that so many uh, black teenagers, for example, will grow up in areas that do not have the same level of public services. You know, they might be stretched because it's a poor area. That have those a poor worse white school. kids living in that area are in exactly the Precisely. same position. There, there is. But the difference is, as with the black kids and why you look into this and Asian kids is that there will be additional barriers that are put in for some of those young people, which is that there are assumptions made about who they are or how clever they could be or what type of person they are that are based on race. And those do exist uh, to Who's different making extents those assumptions? across I mean, the, society. The, the, the best evidence there is for assumptions being made is the the uh, the low expectations of the teachers at their schools. I mean, the school, this, this, this commission really identified schools as absolutely vital here. But again, we've got this extraordinary racism that we've got which somehow seems to treat you know, Bangladeshi and Pakistani communities differently from Indian communities. Um, uh, black African boys from from you know African f- uh, families differently from uh, say black African boys from from, from African Af- sorry, Afro African um, Caribbean families. I mean, if you actually take out um, you know family units, so you know the poverty of families who have six kids is going to be rather greater than those that have one or two. If you haven't got two incomes, you haven't got a dad there, or you haven't got mum working, you're, that, that accounts for an awful lot. Where you live, the education you've had, the education your child had, you basically cover pretty much every aspect of the differences. And then you're left with a tiny percentage, which is probably of some sort down to race, whether it's bias, whether it's prejudice, whether it's outright racism, we don't know. And that's worth tackling. But wouldn't it be better to focus on the stuff we know we can deal with and and, 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 and that will help all of the kids who are struggling, regardless of the colour of their skin? Look, take, for example, the police and things like stop and search. And we know, and I know you agree with this, that a black person is far more likely to be subjected to stop and search uh, frankly, they're more likely to, you know, commit a minor crime as a consequence of that. And, and it has serious consequences compared to a white person who might not even be noticed in the first place. So take, for example, when we know that the police look at uh, black youths in a in a more cynical way than they do white people, and they're more likely to be stopped at random. Uh, and the evidence shows that, for example, uh, a black person driving a nice car is mm. far more likely to be stopped in the day than they are yeah. at night. We know that exists. And I think it would be a myth to claim that those sorts of subtle prejudices don't exist in the minds of lots of other people in society, whether they recognise it or not. OK, yeah, I, 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 th- I think that we get yeah, those are things we need to tackle. But whether that is the institutional racism that is holding people back, um, that is what this uh, this report is saying. And they're saying actually that that doesn't explain well, not just all of it, it doesn't explain most of it. The Breakfast Briefing with Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and give me a good review. And don't forget to catch me on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 until 10. Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? 
Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.